0: Hello everyone and Namaskar. Today's podcast is a continuation of the reading of the book titled Ananda Murti, the Jamal Prayers. And this is a reading of the seventh chapter titled The First Gathering. When a knower of truth merges in the supreme being, his petty sense of existence loses itself and attaining unity with the supreme entity He becomes supreme himself. Spiritual practice is the means for expansion of the soul, not for its annihilation. So, samadhi, spiritual trance, does not mean suicide, but self transcendence. One who has known the supreme consciousness becomes supreme himself, for the individual entity takes on the very form of his object of ideation. As the decade of the 50s progressed, India struggled with innumerable demands on her new nationhood. But in the small town of Jamalpur, far from the great metropolises of Delhi and Calcutta, life continued at a more leisurely pace. Baba became a supervisor of the inspection section of the accounts department, and his reputation as a palmist, healer, and counselor Continued to spread even outside Jamalpur to places such as Sahibganj, some four hours away by rail. In 1951, Baba's brother Himanshu was transferred to Sahibganj by the East India Railways. Shortly after his transfer, the widowed mother of a colleague, Ramranjit Bhattacharya, came to him with a request. She was worried about the future of her second son, Bubai, who was doing poorly in his studies. She hoped that Himanchu could speak to his brother about him. During his next weekend visit to Jamalpur, Himanchu communicated her request. The family had just finished lunch and Baba was lying down. He closed his eyes once Himanchu finished speaking and started describing the boy in great detail. The color of his skin, the shape of his eyes, his bone structure, and so on. When Himanchu confirmed that the description tallied, Baba told him to get a piece of paper and a pen and began dictating the boy's future. He instructed Himanchu to put a mark next to those areas where the boy would face difficulty. Don't reveal these points to the boy's mother, Baba told him, otherwise her worries will increase. When he finished, He told Himanchu to note down the time. When he reached Sahib Ganj, asked the boy exactly what he was doing at this hour. A couple of days later, Himanchu visited the family. In answer to his question, the boy told them that something very strange had happened at that hour. He had been reading in the study at precisely a quarter to three when somehow he had lost consciousness for exactly twenty minutes. One moment it was 2.45, a moment later it was 3.05. Yet he was quite sure that he had not fallen asleep. He simply had no explanation for what had happened. Later that evening, himanchu showed Baba's predictions to the boy's mother. She felt a great sense of relief. The next time Baba came to visit his brother in Sahib Ganj, she brought him sweets and other delicacies as a token of her appreciation. Baba continued to select people for initiation as his disciples brought him the names of candidates who had expressed a strong interest in learning. Among them was Bindeshwari Singh, a contractor from Jamalpur, who was Nagina's cousin. Bindeshwari had been greatly impressed by the changes he had seen in Nagina and had pestered him over a period of months to arrange a meeting with his guru. But when Nagina brought his petition to Baba, the master dismissed it. To Nagina's dismay, he informed him that Bindeshwari would not live for much longer. What can he do in such a short period of time, Baba said. Knowing that Bindeshwari suffered from periodic chest pains, Nagina sadly resigned himself to his cousin's fate, but Bindeshwari continued to insist with greater and greater urgency. Finally, Nagina returned to Baba and pleaded with him to give Bindeshwari a chance to learn spiritual sadhana. However long he may have, Nagina said, you can still give him a chance for salvation if you wanted to. If you wish, you could even extend his life. Baba eventually relented. In June of 1954, Nagina brought Bindeshwari to Baba's quarters for initiation. When Bindeshwari came out of Baba's room, he staggered up to Nagina put his hands on his cousin's shoulders and said, Do you know who is sitting in that room? Yes, of course, Nagina replied. It's Pravat Ranjan Sarkar. No, Bindeshwari answered, barely able to contain his emotions. He who came as Shiva, he who came as Krishna, is sitting in that room. For the next month, Bindeshwari remained in such a God-intoxicated state that he was not able to work. In fact, he was barely able to take care of himself. He would lie on his bed for hours muttering Baba, Baba, Baba over and over again or else pace up and down in his room crying for his Guru. Nagina was forced to take time off work to assist him. Eventually, Bindeshwari was able to go back to work but he never completely recovered his former state of mind. For the rest of his life, he would remain absorbed in the thought of his beloved Master. At times, he would become so absorbed that he would start speaking and gesturing, exactly as Baba did, sometimes even asking the other disciples to do prostration in front of him. When they later complained to Baba about it, he excused Bindeshwari, explaining to them that he was in a state of bawa, so absorbed in his devotional ideation in those moments that he fully identified himself with his Guru. Incidents like this helped to widen the circle of admirers who looked to Baba for guidance and inspiration. Most of them, however, had no idea that Baba was quietly gathering around him a group of disciples to whom he was teaching tantric and yogic techniques as well as the beginnings of the philosophy that they would one day disseminate around the globe. In late October 1954, Baba sent an invitation to each of his disciples to attend a spiritual gathering on Sunday, November 7, at the railway quarters allotted to his brother Sudanchu at 339 E-F, Rampur Colony. Sudanchu had given the quarters to Baba to use as he wished. Baba had in turn given them to Pranay to use for his spiritual practices. After Pranay's grandfather, a staunch Hindu, had objected to Pranay doing his practices at home, Baba used the quarters on occasion to meet his disciples or initiate new ones. Now they would serve as a meeting place for the first gathering. In the early evening, several disciples went to Baba's house to wait for him. When he came out, they accompanied him on the 10 to 15 minute walk from his Keshaput home to the Rampur colony quarters, where the rest of the disciples were waiting. When they arrived, Baba introduced everybody to one another. Many, especially those from Jamalpur, were surprised to see friends, colleagues, and acquaintances gathered there. Often people they had known for years without having any idea that they were disciples of the same Guru. After the introductions were made, Baba took his seat in the front room on a small wooden cot covered by a simple cotton sheet. The disciples came up one by one and did Sastang Pranam, the tradition of full prostration before the Guru. When he started to talk about the goal of spiritual practice, the attainment of God, and the various stages of samadhi, or spiritual trance, wherein the spiritual aspirant attains temporary unification with the divine, the final stage. In the Eightfold Path of Yoga. Then he called Pranai and asked him to sit in front of the cot in full lotus posture. Speaking in Bengali, Baba said, close your eyes and concentrate your mind at Ishta Chakra. O Kula Kundalini, I, Yogeshwar Anandamurti, order you to leave the Muladhara Chakra and rise up to the Swaristana. Pranai's body began to tremble. O Kula Kundalini, I, Yogeshwar Anandamurti, order you to leave the Swaristana Chakra and rise up to Manipura. A violent tremor shook Pranay and then gradually subsided. His spine became rigidly erect and his head arched backward. O Kula Kundalini, I, Yogeshwar Anandamurti, order you to leave the Manipura Chakra and rise up to Anahata. But eye fell backward, his legs still bound in the full lotus posture. He started making a loud, guttural hum hum sound, one of the common symptoms that occur when a yogi goes into trance. Baba then ordered the Kundalini to rise to the Vishuddha chakra. But became absolutely still. His face shone with a glow of immense peace. Again, Baba ordered the Kundalini to rise. This time, to the Agya chakra. Pranay's face became even more resplendent. While Pranay remained absorbed in this state of ecstasy, Baba smiled and looked towards his awestruck disciples. This is the much coveted state of Savikalpa Samadhi in which the unit mind merges into the cosmic mind. The permanent establishment of a spiritual aspirant in this state is known as mukti, or liberation. By the regular practice of sadhana, with diligence, determination, and intense concentration, you too will be able to attain this state. Baba continued describing the various stages of samadhi and the process by which a yogi achieves such exalted heights. Then he turned to his oblivious disciple and ordered the kundalini to return to the Bhishwara chakra. Pranai started weeping copiously, as if he were suffering an in intense sorrow. Okay, let him enjoy that state a little while longer, Baba said. He chatted with the other disciples about spirituality for a few minutes more. Then he turned back to Pranai and ordered the Kundalini to descend, chakra by chakra, back to Muladhara. Pranai wept loudly. When he opened his eyes again and sat up, still crying, Baba called him over and placed his head in his lap. He caressed the back of his head tenderly, like a doubting father, and promised his cheerful disciple that he would soon have another opportunity to enjoy what Baba had given and then taken away. After the program was over, Pranay and a few others accompanied Baba to his house. The other disciples dispersed singly or in groups of twos and threes. As they left, They talked amongst themselves about what they had witnessed that evening, most of them still in awe over the demonstration. Some of them openly wondered what manner of Guru could order the Kundalini of his disciple to rise on his command and who used the epithet Yogeshwar, Lord of the Yogis, a title attributed to both Shiva and Krishna in a past so distant that it had crossed into the shadowed hinterland of myth and legend. Thank you.